Yes, it's time again for Buddy Martin. Call him up and tell him what you're thinking. But be kind because he's doing the best he can. Better. Stronger. Faster. Mama says that alligators are ornery because they got all them teeth but no toothbrush. Hey, what if the voice calls while you're gone? Take a message. <laughs> Bye. I'm ready, champ. I'm ready for this my whole life. I'm incapable of small talk. <laughs> but that's why you love me, right? Kind of intimidating to be in the presence of so many great athletes. Good evening and welcome to the program on a Wednesday night. You folks are in here already, big time. A lot of news going on today, starting with what happened in Athens. The guy some people picked to be the best quarterback this year in the SEC, Jamie Newman, is not going to be there. So big changes already in Athens, and we had not even started the season. So we'll say good evening to you, Chris Centerfit. Actually, nobody could be in the pole position tonight because of us. We got on the air just the time we went on the air. Skype decided to say, whoops, update, stop. So we had to stop and update. We apologize for that, but we're here. Uh, take just a minute here. I'll say good evening. Then we're going to go right to Baton Rouge. Uh, Chris Centerfit, Nat Blaylock, good evening. Uh, Lynn Tindall, Beth, Becky Smith-Carlisle, Kyle McGall-Long, Brian Marshman, Kyle McGall-Long again, Brandon Johnson, uh, Nat Blaylock, and all you folks. So good to have you on this night. Uh, we've got uh, our special sponsor, uh, Meldon Law, sponsors Meldon Law Monday. And we appreciate all that Jeffrey's doing these days for us in this community and in Gainesville. want to say thank you and remind you folks that if you're in the market for a lawyer and you want someone who knows what they're doing, you need to call this number, write it down. <clears throat> it's uh, Meldon Law Monday, every Monday. And we like to, uh, like to talk to Jeffrey. We chatted with him for a little bit the other night. Uh, and we always like to have him on uh, and uh, discuss things like sp- he's a sports fan, obviously. Uh, he also is a longtime Gainesville person, and he's a he's a guy that's is big time in the community. So we do appreciate Melvin Law Monday. Remember, they're building an office in Ocala, uh, and it's on, under uh, construction right now. Uh, he has a Scholar Athlete of the Year. Uh, he's been practicing law since 1971. He's now a sponsor of the Ocala Quarterback Club, a sponsor of the Scott Brantley Trophy, all that. Plus, if you need a lawyer, well, we're going to hear from Jeffrey a little bit later on, tell you all about that. All right, let's do this. Let's see if we can go to uh, our numbers and get our friend Matt Mascona on the line. Uh, Matt does a show out in Baton Rouge, and uh, Matt is a, probably the number one media guy that I know of uh, in Baton Rouge, and he has the latest – information on what's have all kinds of news out of out in Baton Rouge. You heard about Jamar Chase or their best receiver. Uh the fact that he opted out, uh, not a good sign. Uh and I'll talk to later on with the Cassie about this, but we want you to know that there's no opting out in Gainesville, as we heard from Kyle Pitts today. We heard from Marco Wilson earlier. And so uh yeah, that's uh, that's a good thing for your team and your team building to have a, a bunch of guys who are uh you know who are there. 
I'm going to go ahead and see if I can reach Matt on my phone uh, and it will get that going and get him his segment in. Uh, yeah, they lost their number one defensive player and also lost their number uh, one offensive player in Jamar Chase. Possibly, the, well, would be the first, actually. <clears throat> hey, buddy, this, this would be the voice of Matt Moscona. When I couldn't get him by Skype, I got him the old-fashioned way. How are you, Matt? I'm doing great, buddy. Thanks for having me, man. Good to hear your voice again. I uh, uh, I know you had a lot of activity going on down there. I mean, a lot of a lot of noise being made, and uh, certainly Jamar Chase. Talk about what happened this past uh, this past week at the Tigers, and how are things going for Coach O? Yes, yeah, certainly they had a few uh, a few challenges this week, to put it mildly. Um, you know, I think Ed Ogeron is, is finding a way, like most, well, like every coach is in college football, to deal with, with what COVID has brought. And, you know, I think with LSU, when you have a few high-profile guys opt out, like Jamar Chase and Tyler Sheldon, you know, the reasons make a lot of sense, right? I mean, it, it, Jamar won the Blitnikoff, won a national championship, and had the single greatest receiving year for for a receiver in SEC history. Um, he's going to be a top five pick, and you know, Atua was the fifth overall pick in this most recent draft, and he signed a thirty million dollar contract. I mean, not all of those things make make a lot of sense. I think the timing is what is what threw a lot of people off with Jamar's decision, and. You know, with the guys leaving in Baton Rouge, it's just compounded by the fact that it's coming off a year where you just sent 14 guys into the draft and 20 into NFL camps. So when you lose 20 guys to the NFL and then you have your your normal transfers and defections, which happen everywhere in an offseason, and then you compound it with these opt-outs, it, uh, it's, it's brought a completely different kind of challenge for LSU. Just I mean, from a strict number standpoint, but I mean, you know, 85 scholarships, you know, available, LSU's down to about 70. I mean, it's just – Really? They're, they're short on bodies, wow. yeah. That's amazing. And you think of all the talent. You always think about them being so talent-rich and being uh, deep. And yet you don't even know for sure what the, what the COVID's going to do, right? And so right. you're looking at a, at a pretty short crew right there. So uh, Coach O's got his work cut out. So speaking of which, uh, before we get to the rest of the assessment for – LSU and the season and the schedule that they've got. Uh, I want to think of the. I want to talk about the news today uh, out of Athens. The guy that some people were picking as the number one quarterback in preseason ahead of Kyle Trask, uh, Jamie Newman is opted out. Yeah, I I don't know if y'all know something I don't. I, I wonder if the foot injury maybe wasn't a bit more severe than they were letting on, and maybe. Maybe Jamie looked at this as an opportunity to say, "Look, I'm I'm projected as a first round draft pick. Yeah, what, what am I what am I risking here? Um, you know, but honestly, buddy, like I, I I realize I might be an outlier in this thought. I just wasn't convinced that Jamie Newman was going to be the guy. I mean he he had a nice season last year. Wake Forest over twenty eight hundred yards, and twenty six touchdowns, eleven picks." Only completed about sixty percent of his passes, and that was a career high. I just, I get physically, he looks awesome and looks the part. And maybe surrounding him with some athletes in Athens would have helped. You know, losing Blaylock again to a knee injury—you hate to see that. And I, I know George Pickens is special, but I, I don't know, man. I, I almost, I almost favor JT Daniels if he's healthy 
to Jamie Newman. So I, you know, I thought this was a year going into the season, buddy, where you know, before COVID and this new schedule and everything we're going to see, I thought this was a year where Florida was going to win the East. And I don't know that I've seen anything to change my opinion. And certainly Georgia losing Jamie, Jamie Newman, Newman always solidifies my, my thought that, that this is Florida's year to, to get back to Atlanta. Sounds, sounds like a replay of this program. Uh, we've been saying it since last spring that, that show me what you got, Jamie Newman. Let's yeah. see you take a snap in the SEC before we start putting you on the preseason all SEC teams. Uh, you know, and uh, let's see. Kirby has not yet gotten it together. There's always some missing piece or two. Uh, he hasn't proven yet he's a championship coach. Got great talent. He's a very good coach. But you still got to prove it on the field. And so the whole Newman thing, I, I, I'm like you. I just sort of held it up like, I, you got to show me. I'm not yeah. seeing it right here. And uh, sure enough, it happened. Maybe we're just a lot smarter than everybody else. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, by the way, down in your country today, I wanted to make, point out to my good friend Terry Bradshaw had a birthday. Terry yep. turned 71 today. We, we're going to have him on our show every Friday. On, we're making an announcement tonight that Terry will be part of the best football on Friday. On our, uh, our Friday show, we're talking about the NFL and who knows what else with Terry. When he got him on, but uh, I know you know Terry and know what he represents, and and that state of Louisiana, he's 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 a big dog. So he he has uh, long been a staple, and people love him and revere him here. And his his personality is is so fun. I think everybody is, and and look, he's a guy that you, you obviously know is in his own life has openly talked about some of the, the struggles that he's battled, but he's overcome them, and he's just a. He, he's a he's a he's a gem, man. He's a, it's a pleasure. I'm, I'm going to make sure I'm tuning in on Fridays with you guys. Yeah, we do that show a little different time. We do it usually around noon or so. But we have the Urban Meyer podcast and Terry Bradshaw's show. We won't have it this Friday. It starts next week uh, with Terry and every Friday after that. It's going to be a fun best Fridays in football. That comes from the days when Urban was coaching uh, when he had his Friday with the hotel with the with his players where they spoiled him with all kind of goodies to eat and gave him movies and, you know, just let him relax, have a good time. That's why he called it the best Friday in football. So we'll see. So how is Coach O? Uh, a lot of pressure to come back and do what he did last year. Talk about the, the program. Talk about what the expectations are. And talk about Coach O. So I think, you know what's interesting? Your fan bases, are, are, especially in the SEC, are never really known for being rational. I'll say. But what are the what are the really interesting things? Like I have to kind of compliment LSU fans because they have been exceptionally realistic about the offensive expectations. You know what what happened last year in Baton Rouge is it is an anomaly. It I mean, buddy, like when when I say this out loud, it still doesn't even sound real. But the 2019 LSU Tigers scored more points in a season than any. Yeah. Team and in the history of college football, amazing, it's, amazing. It's incredible. Like Joe Burrow won the Heisman by the biggest landslide in the eighty-year history of that award. I mean, you had the Thorpe Award winner, you had the Bolitnikoff Award winner. It, it's just you had Clyde Edwards-Helaire winning round one, two first-round draft picks. You know, among your receivers, it's just. But to their credit, I think everyone knows, buddy. Like it's not, it's never going to be that again. Joe Burrow threw for 60 touchdowns. <laughs> it's, That's it's just, an unbelievable figure right it's there. It's so stupid saying it out loud. But, like, for, for perspective, if 
if Miles Brennan this year were to throw for thirty five hundred yards and thirty touchdowns, right you know, half half of what Burrow did, mm-hmm. buddy, those would still be yeah. LSU single season records wow. pre Burrow. So wow. I think LSU can still have a really good offense, an offense capable of scoring on anybody and win and, and beating anybody on the schedule. It's just not going to be what it was last year. You know, I don't think anyone expects it to be. Now, yes, about, about Coach O, you know, I think the challenge for him is what what we started with here, buddy, and that's that's depth. You know, I, I'm not going to bore you running through a lot of names, but one LSU's first 22, I think, are, are good enough to beat anybody. I and mean, that's not to say they'll go undefeated, but their first 22 are good enough to go toe-to-toe with anybody. The major issue that LSU has with all of these defections and the guys leaving early for the draft and everything is that their next 22 is completely void of experience. Mm. I mean, their their backup offensive tackles are both true freshmen. Their backup offensive guards on the two deep are both redshirt freshmen who did not play last year. They don't have any. There are no backup offensive linemen with game experience. Zero. Not a, not a good year, I mean, Matt, for to be doing that when you got the COVID yeah. and you got depth problems already. You're playing a 10-game yep. SEC schedule, yep. which personally I love. But, you Me know, too. when you start playing up and you get to November, you've been beat on by five or six SEC teams. What kind of physical condition are you going to be in? And I think that's the concern. So, you know, the, like that first – look, man, j- losing Jamar Chase, there, there's, there's no replacing oh, the best play. receiver in football. Love but that. LSU's number one is Terrace Marshall. And Marshall was LSU's three last year and caught 13 touchdowns in 12 games. Wow. He's a former five-star, was the number one receiver in the country. Like, he's fine. Their, their number three receiver is probably going to be Kayshawn Booty, who was a five-star number one player in Louisiana this past year. He's battling to win the number three job. And a point great is, name, a great LSU name. My <laughs> right, gosh, Bootsy, right. How much better can you get than that? Right. As, my point is, they've got so much talent. Across their, their first their first twenty two, yeah. but exactly what you said is right. The uncertainty: how does a ten game season play out? COVID, anything that, like they're just razor thin and don't really have that margin for error. If somebody goes down, if someone's out for COVID, if the grind of a ten game SEC schedule is what we all think it's going to be like, that's that's where LSU could find itself in trouble this year. Well, it's going to be interesting uh, along about uh, week four, October 17th, when LSU comes to the swamp and how that plays out. Because that will be a, even though it's not a divisional game anymore, that will be a huge game in in the national rankings as well, probably. Because as you say, this could be Florida's year. Before I let you go, I want you to give me another assessment, an honest assessment assessment of what you think of Mullen and what you think of the Gators. But LSU will be, what are you looking at, eight, nine wins this year, maybe? So Vegas has them right now at eight and two, and I think that's probably right. But I think there's four games on LSU's schedule that probably could go either way. It's obviously they have three really tough road games, Florida, Auburn, Texas A&M, and they get Bama at home. I think if LSU could split those, if they go two and two in those games, and that's and that's going to be a, a major task. But if they can do that, I think they can they can land at eight and two. And if it's the right two games, mm-hmm. meaning if you obviously if you beat Bama in right. one of those, yeah. and maybe yeah, you know, like 
then maybe you can win a tiebreaker and get back to Atlanta. It's just with their depth issues and and with that schedule, with what you got to do on the road, it's just really hard for me to imagine LSU doing better than eight and two. Look, if they're they're already going to build a statue to Ed Ozer on one day, but yeah. if he can get this team. Might be able with to this schedule and all the circumstances. <laughs> yeah. If you can get them to eight and two yeah. Yeah. And, and back in a New Year's six, I think yeah. that's got to be the it's expectation. True. Yeah, for this I think team. so. Yeah. And um, all right. So I got the odds for one of the services. This is the Superbook Sports for to win the conference. This is the, and uh, we can probably figure out who the first couple are. But mm-hmm. Bama's even money. That's pretty strong. Of course, you can still lose two games and win the SEC, you know. So maybe that's right. I know. So they got Bama even. Georgia was eleven and four. Don't ask me how they got that numbers. That might be that might have shrunk a little bit now on the uncertainty because no matter who the quarterback is, there's that uncertainty of that really is what hurts you in terms of the, the program there. So are those frogs in your background? I didn't know you could hear those frogs. Are you, are you, you're in the bayou, dude. You're in the bayou. I stepped, I stepped outside so you wouldn't hear my, my kid playing with all his, ah, his I love toys. Frogs. And, I love and it. Instead, instead, you're hearing frogs. I'm sorry. I like it. It's good, man. It's good. Yeah. So I thought, man, that's some music going on. I don't know about or <laughs> those, something there. Those are, those, are, those are big bullfrogs behind yeah. the house, man. We go. got a pool, and then we got like a little pond behind us, and that's, that's frogs in the water. Nothing wrong with that, by the way, just so you know. Yeah, so uh, anyway, so the odds are, and I'll run down, Georgia 11-4, Florida 6-1, and one. Texas A&M 16-1. There's a team I don't know about. I, I, I can't buy into yeah. them yet. And Auburn and LSU 20-1. to Now, I might have to get me some of that. At least for the odds. I don't like them. And then it drops off to Tennessee, uh, 60 to 1. All right. Matt Muscona from, uh, upon further review in Baton Rouge and New Orleans ESPN, you're going to give me now, a lot of Gator fans listening to you, your assessment of Florida, the coaching staff, the quarterback, and what you think this team could do and might do and will do. Yeah. Well, I, look, if we were in – if we were in Atlanta this year for SEC Media Days, I would have picked Florida to win the East. Um, I'll I'll stick with that because I like if if I'm Florida, I gotta like LSU coming to Baton Rouge while Georgia has to go to Tuscaloosa. I mean, both Florida and Georgia draw Bama and LSU. The difference is Florida gets LSU at home, and Georgia's got to go to to Bama. And then, of course, they're gonna play the neutral site game. I was not big on Jamie Newman before. Mm-hmm. I, I'm curious to see if JT Daniels is healthy, and if he is, I think he might even be a better option. But again, to TBD. But this conversation might be different if if those four receivers had stayed opted out for Florida. Um, but with the kind of talent that they have offensively, and and with Trask being a, a you know a, a proven at least. At least a veteran quarterback, which really the league is void of them this year. Guys who have played a lot. I mean, I could argue Kellen Mond, Kyle Trask, are two most veteran quarterbacks in the SEC, which kind of speaks to the contrast of a year ago where you had Burrow and, and Tua and Fromm. And you, know, you had so much talent in the league at quarterback last year. Um, I just, I think if, if this isn't the year where Florida gets it done, I think it's fair to look around and go, when's it going to happen? If, if Kirby gets back to Atlanta again this year, um, Man, I, I don't know. You, you obviously know that roster and everything better than I do, but 
it, it certainly seems that look and full disclosure, I picked when we were in Hoover last year for SEC days, I picked Florida last year mm. to win the to win the East. Huh. And and it, it looks better this year than it did last year. Yeah. So if not now, man, you gotta kinda scratch your head and go, when's that gonna happen? So it I, I can understand why there's a lot of Gator fans who might be be cranking up the burners on uh, on Dan Mullen this year to get it done. They're pretty excited about it, and uh, justifiably so, because they have a lot of talent. Uh, and by the way, those receivers you talked about, I mean, yeah, that was an issue for about two days. But guess yep. what? First scrimmage uh, out, the uh, uh, the young ones came out lined up and looked really good. The ones that are coming in, the redshirt freshmen, and they got some good backups, and they're okay at wide receiver. Not just okay. They're pretty good. They got the yeah. best tight end, maybe the country, in terms of, of catching passes, Kyle Pitts. So, yeah, Pitts gave LSU Pitts gave LSU fits in that first yeah, half in Baton Rouge last yeah. year. And he's just learning position. He's going to be even better. So do I yeah. think they're going to go 10 and 0? No. I think they'll probably win eight, maybe nine. I think they I think they'll beat Georgia. Uh they're going to have to battle on the road uh in places like College Station. That's not a good setting for them. But listen, I always love having you on, Matt. Because I like talking football with a knowledgeable guy, not just about the Tigers, who, by the way, are worth talking about by themselves. But uh, listen, great stuff. And thank you very much for being on the show. Hope to have you again before the season, certainly again before LSU comes to town. My pleasure, buddy. Anytime, man. Just give me a ring. I always oh, love chatting with you. Appreciate it, my man. Matt Muscona, okay, man. thank you from uh, ESPN Baton Rouge. <clears throat> thank you very much for that, Matt. And, uh, we're going to tell you real quick, and then we're going to go talk to Lee McGriff next about uh, our uh, – well, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go ahead and put this on screen, and I'm going to let uh, my friend Jeffrey tell you all about Melvin Law because they're doing so many great things in our communities. I mean, really great things, and they, their presence is being felt, and I just really appreciate uh, what they're doing. So – let me see if I can get that around that up, and we will uh, let Jeffrey tell you about it. It's a, it's a special relationship uh, with this guy, and we talked to him about that, and here's what he had to say. In today's world, where we have to go on hold all the time, we sign up for a bank account or an insurance policy or something, and it's like trying to get information or even customer service is a frustrating thing. People want to know that they matter. They certainly want to know the matter to their lawyer because their, their future is in your hands. So I think that's a wonderful slogan. I wish more people had it. And by the way, my math is probably not good, but didn't you arrive in Gainesville in 1970 and open your office in 71? Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I try not to age myself too much, though, buddy. You look good. By the way, I think it's closer to 49 <laughs> years than 47. So if that, my math is right, but nonetheless, you've been here almost a half a century as a local attorney. And I think that's, and what you've done has been terrific. Now, let me just ask you this. People always want to know, what do I do about a lawyer? Who do I get? Where do I go? And by the way, next time I have you on, I want to ask you about these books you've gotten for consumers and people, which I think is a lost art. We'll talk about those books you've written and how people might be able to still get them. But right now, let's talk about getting a lawyer how to get a lawyer, what kind of lawyer you are, you know, personal injury, trial lawyer, et cetera. Tell me how, what's the selection process for finding a lawyer? 
Actually, we recommend that you get our book, which is called Seven Mistakes That Can Wreck Your Florida Accident Case. And it goes through an explanation of what you look for. The long and short of it is you want somebody who's got experience that's going to be involved in your case, knows what to do, and has been there. It's just like uh, putting together a football team. Uh, our team at Meldon Law is uh, experienced. Everybody's uh, been at it a long time. They know what they're doing. And you can trust us to give you a fair shake in no matter what the legal problem is. Well, that's it. If you want more information, call 800-373-8000. That's 800-373-8000. And ask the people at Meldon Law. And by the way, tell them you enjoy Monday night because it's Meldon Law Monday here on the Buddy Martin Show. And you're a whole lot more with Jeffrey Meldon doing good things in his community as always. Thanks very much, Jeffrey. All right. Thank you very much, Jeffrey Melton. All right. Earlier today, we talked to one of my favorite guests to talk football with, Lee McGriff, who played the position of wide receiver, who coached it, who's been a Gator for life, grew up in Gainesville. Really good talk with uh, Lee. We started talking about, um, well, let's let you hear it. Lee McGriff earlier today, talking about Gator football. He, of course, the Gator Radio Network. Three. Okay, it's uh, September. Uh, that means we're getting close to football, and apparently uh, it's a go from right now. Nobody's happier than me unless it's this guy, Lee McGriff, Gator Radio Network, of course, former player, former coach, NFL guy, and he loves every September, especially when it's football. Lee, how you doing? I'm doing great, buddy. What you just said is true. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell. It's, well, it, you know, it, it's one of the things in life that we have – to look forward to every year. It's like a rites of passage for the fall. And some of us just live for it. And, you know, uh, I, I'm sorry. I go along with that uh, that slogan in the SEC. It just means more. <clears throat> I agree. I agree. And, uh, you know, it's 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 a major part of, of our culture here in the South. And I think it's, it's a wonderful part of our culture. And you grew up a North Florida boy like I did. You and Gainesville being Ocala, and we know we go back with deep roots. So let's just keep on going, man. Let's keep get it going to the let's get to the twenty six and we got football, right? Absolutely. And I believe we're gonna get there. All right, so we were just chatting before, uh, some pretty good news, and you're almost afraid to be overconfident. But when you get numbers like this, and now I'm not talking about numbers regarding stats and what have you, I'm talking about the COVID numbers and the information received yesterday. We broke them down with Dr. Pete and Delicato yesterday. And you look at those numbers and yes, there's COVID and yes, there's infections, but you could put up there a big goose egg for the football team, zero cases in August. That's a really great number. It is. It is. And and I don't think uh, even at this point, I'm sure Coach Mullen and his staff didn't really expect zero. You can't beat zero. So, that's, that's just great, and it, it just further encouraging what they're trying to do, which is play. I want to get into some specifics. It's kind of like flying blind because that's what it is. We don't get to see practice. Even you, uh, remember the Gator Radio Network team with Mick. By the way, say hello to Mick and say, oh, my, we'll, we'll be good. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this is uh, stuff that's kind of – I, I accuse coaches of having it just like they want it. You're an old coach. You're going to have to deal with the media, you know, except by Zoom. 
Uh, nobody gets to watch your practice, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And they got it all to themselves. So good for them. Maybe you, it's you know, that's right. This right? is they're not enjoying COVID, but I guarantee you, when they close <laughs> those doors, they they're saying this is great. Why can't it be like this all the time? That's exactly what they're saying, and we know it. But I can't blame them. All right, so let's talk for. I don't get to go to practice. You don't get to go to practice, but I have a couple of spies who do. I don't want to get anybody in trouble, but I'm telling you, tell you a couple of things I'm hearing. And you, if you want to comment on them or you want to say I'm not going to comment on speculation, that's fine. But one of the things that's impressive, a topic of conversation you and I have had a lot the last couple of years, is the young wide receivers and the great job Billy uh, Gonzalez has been doing. And now you graduated four seniors from a position. You're like, well, you graduated four seniors from, from a position. You're hurting. No. In addition to what they got coming back, and we'll talk about those others later on about with Tony, et cetera, they got some young guys that you got your eye on. I got my eye on. And I'm told that the guys who started in the scrimmage offensively now were Whittemore, the freshman, of course, from Gainesville, Frazier's from Dunellen, and C.J. Henderson. How is that for three young receivers? Well, the most interesting of all of that is C.J. Henderson. What is that about? Uh, you know, skill-wise, that's not shocking to me, but uh, there might be a, a significant message behind the, that um, to those that didn't want to participate early. But regardless, it's competition. I do know I do know Trent Whittemore. Um, known his dad, was a teammate of Travis, my son Travis's, way back in Buholtz and have known him ever since. And um, he's a great guy, so I've, I've followed his his boys. And uh, I've even run routes with Trent before. And uh, he, he's, a, he's, a, he's a physical guy, and he can run and jump. And like anybody playing the position, you, you evolve and you learn – but he's very willing. He's very bright, and and I can't imagine that he's not going to develop uh, in, into an outstanding receiver. And um, so, you know, at this point, it's still early. Starting a scrimmage doesn't necessarily reflect that's really what's happened. But it's good to know he's in in the in the mix. I don't know Frazier very well, know of him, but don't know uh, much about him. And um, so. You know, not to get backwards, but back in the day when I was coaching, Dunellen had a big run, uh, had three players that came to Florida, Roger Sybil and Ricky Eastman and Vito McKeever, who yeah. were all really good players. And I, I recruited all of them, and it was a boom time for Dunellen. At that time, they'd never had a Division One player, and Florida gets three of them, and all of them eventually became starters. So another Dunellen boy, yes. my memories of Dunellen, are, they're very fond. Beautiful place. I love that blue run. By the way, Dan Mullen's saying that uh, Trent Whittemore was smart. They can play all three positions. Sure. How Not valuable surprising. is that right now with a COVID situation? You've got to be fluid. Having a guy who's smart, knows the game, his dad's a coach, it bodes well for Florida and for Whittemore. Let's shift gears. We don't talk much about these other two subjects that much. Running game. I We heard really, really good things about the running game, but it was mostly Pierce. Uh, and uh, Naquan Wright, uh, who, uh, who, who I hope I got that right, uh, who, who actually got the kudos. Uh, so, um, uh, you know, that's a little bit uh, – that's, that's a little surprising, but they both got a lot of kudos. 
Well, and, and that's great. I, I think there's depth at running back, and you know, I wanted to see, you know, the 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 the, the full group mm-hmm. back in the spring, but obviously spring didn't happen. Now I can't watch them now, but I think Florida's going to be just fine at running back, and I, I think the the competition for playing time's going to be. Yeah going to be intense yeah all right now finally lee this is not the side of the ball we talk about very much but you were you were a complete coach you understand the importance of both sides of the ball i'm having a bromance with a defensive coordinator of the florida gators i've become a big fan of todd grantham and i've thought about it a lot and i think he's got something unique and special i love how he dials up his defenses I talked to him briefly on a Zoom call uh, about how he get where he comes up with these blitzes. I mean, how many times do you see a walk-off blitz like they got against Tennessee with Snyder, the other quarterback, something like that? I go back to that Georgia game two years ago on the goal line stand, which they didn't get any out of it, but that was one of the best goal line stands I have ever seen by a Florida team. What was it, seven times inside the one-yard line, et cetera? So yeah. the so yeah. the defense and the amount of talent they got, and we're just going to go with what they're telling us about the defensive linemen because people are talking a lot about the defensive young defensive linemen what they bring. They're loaded to secondary. They got players galore, and they're going to play a bunch of folks. And Todd Grant is going to be firing people from every position known to man. Make up some probably, and probably have the peanut guy firing. You, <laughs> you never know about a quarterback. Here's the part I love, and I want you to weigh in on. I asked him specifically about what he tries to do, his philosophy, and he said, "Our goal is to make the quarterback look bad." That's pretty simple. Pretty simple. Pretty simple. You know, the older I get, the 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 wiser, deeper understanding people have about what they do it ends up being simple in their minds. There's a lot of intricacies they teach, but what he's trying to do when it gets simple in your mind is when you really have a chance to pull it off. And uh, I like that. I can see uh, it gives me a visual, and that is what happens. He's very disruptive. And, I, you know, I, I, he, he's, he doesn't play scared at all. He does, he does take chances. He gambles. He believes in his players. And to Dan Mullen's credit, he lets him do it. I'm not saying he never pulls in the reins on him, but he pretty much lets Todd Grantham roll. And, you know, it, it'd be easy for a head coach uh, to talk to well, not not right now, not right now, because if we don't get there or we do this blitz or they, they hit that seam, you know, it's going to be six. He lets him, he lets him roll. And it is fun to watch. It's, it is very aggressive. And, you know, broadcasting the games. Sometimes I have to say, where, where did that guy come from? Exactly. You know, it's not. It's not like, you know. Okay, if they blitz, this is where it's going to be. Sometimes that guy shows up in a flash. Who was that? So it is. It's fun to watch. And it's, uh, yeah, it, it never gets stale. You can almost swear it came off the sideline sometimes. So he, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, whatever. Lee McGriff, it's always good to talk to you, Lee. Appreciate it. Looking forward to the season. Final thoughts about uh, how things are shaping up in the SEC. Everybody likes Bama. Everybody likes uh, Georgia, sort of, maybe in Florida. Any insights to LSU or Auburn, anybody else that you think they should watch out for? Well, I watch out for everybody, and that sounds like a you know SEC kind of guy. But you know, you you so LSU loses three or four guys. But one of the beauties of college football, players move on. It's just part of life in college football. And there, there's guys that, that, that will, 
become stars that you don't know much about. So, uh, you know, I wouldn't discount uh, LSU. It's, it's, you know, they did have some proven players that that, that are going to move on, but they, I promise you, they got people. In fact, in my years, I always say it about LSU. If you've ever been down on the field with that team, whether they were winning a bunch of games or not, when you're down on the field with LSU players, pick any year, you go, oh, my goodness, did that guy run into Kentucky Derby? I mean, they got people. So, you know, and Auburn's always got a chance. I, I And, you know, the, the, the most wonderful thing about all this that it just excites me to death, every game is an SEC game. Every game. So you're not padded here or padded there, and there's going to be so many great games. And I really wouldn't be surprised if the SEC champion didn't lose two games during the season and play great. So I'm I'm excited about this. I can hear the enthusiasm in your voice. SEC football every week. It's going to be fantastic. Great job as always. Fun to talk to you, Lee. Love your enthusiasm. You. Lee McGriff, Gator Radio Network. All right, thanks very much, Lee. We're running behind tonight because of tech issues. We're going to get a hold of this lady hopefully next. Catch up with Cassidy Hill. She was on the uh, Zoom press conference as I was. Uh, and uh, we'll talk about what we heard tonight. A lot of talk about and by and from, by the way, Kyle Trask. And uh, right in the middle of it was the chief correspondent for Gatorade Magazine, Cassidy Hill. What's up, Cass? Hey. Hey, buddy. How's it going? Okay. Uh, sorry I'm late uh, getting to you, but we had a little tech issue tonight. Skype decided they wanted to update as we went on the air. <clears throat> That's always fun. Oh, nice. Always fun. Well, we heard the interesting press conference tonight. And um, talk about what you heard in the press conference. I have a few specific questions and compare some notes. And uh, we're getting a lot of press conferences lately, aren't we? Yeah, it's been kind of nice after a summer where um, we didn't really have any. And then, uh, you know, all of a sudden, um, it seems like they're just right on top of each other. And, uh, but it's been nice, you know, it's better to have something to talk about than nothing. And, um, you know, they've they've all been, uh, I feel like, pretty informative. You know, we've talked to players as well. And um, just kind of figured out what they've been doing all summer um, because we haven't really seen or spoken to anyone all summer. Um, and it's been an interesting one for sure. And uh, so it's kind of been good just to hear how their workouts went, what the coaches see from them. You know, there's there's some coach speak, but we've also gotten um, some logistics as well. And, uh, you know, talked to Brian Johnson today, the quarterback coach, about how Trask, and, but also how Emory, um, also how Emory has looked. Because at, at this point, you know, I know that it doesn't, that Trask hasn't been starting long, but it seems like we know a lot about him. Um, there's still a lot about Emory that we think we know, but we don't know. Um, it was interesting to hear Brian Johnson talk about him today the strides he has made as a pure passer because, you know, we think of Emory as a runner. Um, so that was, that was cool to hear as well. But yeah, like you said, they've been one right after another this week, but I'll take it after this summer. Interesting. Uh, Brian Johnson, I have never really talked to him very much and hearing him talk tonight. Oh, he's wonderful. Yeah. I noticed yeah. you have a rapport with him already. 
Uh, I, I, we talked about Kyle Trask's weight and et cetera. Uh, I like his descriptions. They ask him about Kyle. He says he's getting energy on the ball and his feet are quicker. Um, I, I, so that was an interesting comparison. And he said in practice, he's talking about now third down plays he's working on, when to run, et cetera. And then he talked about Emory Jones. Uh, he said uh, he's a special talent. I love coaching him. Um, and so uh, in very encouraging words there. Um, I liked his assessment uh, of the situation. Uh, I liked his assessment of the team. Uh, and I liked his description of EJ. I mean, he said, Emory has a lot of juice in his arm. He can be dynamic and change the game with his legs. He gets some <laughs> premier looks. Yeah. Um, you know, I remember last year, uh, Van Jefferson, actually two years ago, Van Jefferson said, Emory's got an arm. Y- y'all are going to be surprised uh, at Emory's arm when you finally see it. Um because he can he can get it downfield, and um, you know I think we've seen that uh, a few times they have let him open it up. Um, you know the the one that was given as an example to Van Jefferson that made him lead to that comment was that pass he threw to Van or no to Trey Grimes, either to Van or to Trey Grimes in the Georgia game, and it was uh, pass interference. It was Van. Um, and it was pass interference. And, uh, but it was not a spot foul because in college football, that's not a spot foul. Mm. Um, if it had been, it would have gotten them down to like the 15 yard line, would have gotten them into the red zone. Um, but, you know, we saw just that pass alone. That was, gosh, that was like 45, 50 yards on air. And, um, you know, he's made throws like that here and there. And, um, so, you know, if that's what he can do just when they give him opportunities here and there, what can he do if he gets in there for a whole half and, you know, he's really allowed to open it up and not just throw it? Um, he's got some zip know, on the ball, uh, question. He called right, it juice. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, he could definitely be a game changer in ways that that they don't even realize. And so, you know, in last year we never thought that Trask would come in and take over. Um, we thought it would be all Felipe, and we saw how that went. And not that we're wishing anything um, bad on Trask, but you know, if it happens, I think they'll be a little bit more okay with Emory than even realize. I agree. Uh, you had some interesting exchanges. Uh, you talked with Trask, and you asked him a very good question when he asked you that he watched the film from last year. And he said during the real mm-hmm. unbusy time when they were quarantined, he said, yes, he watched the films of all the games to see what he did and how he did it. And you said, did you watch it with the sound up? And he said, yes, I did. Right. Which I thought was very interesting. I, I was an honest answer. And why wouldn't he? Of course. Look, here's a guy who hadn't started since he was in ninth grade. He was in the middle of it. I'd be drinking that stuff in every day, man. And if we can yeah. believe the, the the comments, and we're only going by what they tell us because we can't see it, uh, then <clears throat> we're seeing marked improvement in the quarterback position from both players. Lighter on his feet, quicker feet. I'm assuming he's throwing like he always has. 
Uh, and I do believe uh, that they're going to be, and he said they're better. Uh, they're already better. What I really like is the reports I'm getting now from multiple people about these young receivers. Right. I thought it was especially interesting that um, that Kyle Pitts called out, he, he said Xavier Henderson, but then he also commented on Trent Whitmore. And, you know, we've heard other receivers talk about Trent Whitmore as well. And um, no disrespect to Trent Whitmore, but usually – when you come in as a local kid, you know, not a huge recruit, you have the reporters have to ask about you specifically for you to get brought up that much by the starters. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not that he has been asked about specifically. You know, Van Jefferson, Trey Grimes, uh, Josh Hammond, you know, all the seniors last year, and then Kyle Pitts tonight all have brought him up on their own as someone who's really stood out to them and impressed. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's the kind of guy that Mullen and Gonzalez love. They love to get him in there and develop him and see what they can do with him. And um, he could be one of those that kind of is sneaky. And, you know, they can sneak into a game and, and you know, run him out, uh, run him deep and let Embry or Kyle throw one to him. And, uh, yeah. you know, that could be a, a sneaky play that Mullen gets. Well, it is going to be sneaky. It's um, going to be some sneaky plays. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think so. You're right. Yeah. And then um, to get, to circle back to something you said a second ago, yeah. in case people are confused, the reason I asked Kyle Trask if he watched the games with the sound on is because a lot of quarterbacks don't even watch the TV broadcast altogether because they don't want to hear what was said about them, good or bad. You know, it's kind of like getting on social media. If it's good, it fluffs it you up too much. If it's bad, it brings you down when you don't when it doesn't need to. Good point. Um, and so most quarterbacks, when they go rewatch film, they just watch game film, which is the cut up that the teams have. Um, very rarely do they sit and watch a full TV broadcast. And if they do, it's usually on mute. So that's why I thought it was interesting that he watched it with the sound on. And Good point. You know, I don't I don't even know if he understood what I was asking, but that's that's what I wanted to know. Good question. And I wanted to say that <clears throat> I was talking to Matt Muscona from Baton Rouge today, very knowledgeable football man who does the show in Baton Rouge and New Orleans. And he said he he was picking Florida. He said the only pause he had was when those four wide receivers, he, there was three, he thought it was four, didn't show up for practice the first day. But I understand they're back now. And I said to him, well, they're not only back, but the reports I got, and this is something maybe you didn't know, that the first group of receivers on the field for the scrimmage were, in fact, Whittemore, Frazier's, and Henderson. How about that? Okay. Yep. A little message there, maybe? Yeah, I'm not surprised. Maybe. Yeah. You know, kind of like we were saying last week about, um, you know, just a reminder that we can play without you if we have to. Exactly. Not that we want to, exactly. but we can. Yes, that's exactly what he said. Um, so, and I thought to myself, yeah. Matt Mascono is a good friend. Probably also, as, probably also an, an acknowledgement, um, you know, and, and a nod to those younger guys yeah. saying, you know, you, you did show up, yeah. so we're going to honor that. Yes. And I thought it was very positive today what Pitt said. And if you add into what Marco Wilson said, they never it, it never even crossed their mind to opt out. Now, I get Jamar Chase is right. a top five player, and I, I'm not criticizing if that's his choice. But the glue you need is the one where you think you can count on your teammates – 
I thought Pitt was strong and, and Marco was strong on that. Yeah, exactly. And, and Chase also had four family members pass away from COVID-19. Um, Good point. led into his decision as Good well. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I know we're running up against the end here, but speaking of people that opt out, um, I don't know who's going to win the Heisman now that Jamie Newman's not playing. Well, I was going to save time for that. If we got to go over even because – that is kind of a that might be a, a little bit of tea leaves right there. That might be an early outlier. It might be something that we're looking at now that we've said for a long time. There's something missing in Georgia. I know he's got his personal reasons, whatever. But listen, riddle me this: How can people talk about Jamie Newman all year long, cover boy, all that kind of stuff, and never even give respect to Kyle Pitts? And there the guy's not even – and I don't know if he's got COVID or not, but he's not playing. Uh, and like we said, he's right. going to be named the top quarterback in the SEC and he hasn't played it down yet versus a guy who had a really great year coming back. I didn't get that. In a way, it's poetic justice. Yeah. And, and you know, I hate it for Jamie. He's going to lose that year. I'm sure he did struggle with this decision. Um, but it is it is funny – you know, because like you said, he was hyped up all, all season and now we're not even going to see him. And I just, I, I can't imagine, you know, like with Jamar Chase, like we said, for one, he already knows he's probably going to be a top five pick. And two, he did lose a lot of family members and that's got to be tough and that's got to mess with you mentally. Good point. Um, but Jamie Newman, I, I I would I would need to know more about what it was because he cited the uncertainty surrounding football with the pandemic. Um, if that's his reasoning, then more power to him. It just seems odd because his draft status is not clear, no matter what the message boards and hype machine said this offseason. His draft status is not clear. He does need more tape. For him to opt out, he's either really, really got to be concerned about COVID um, or there's something else going on, like you said. Well, let me just say this. I'm not casting um, any – I'm not saying anything bad about him. There's a guy named JT Daniels, okay? And if you right. look, look up his numbers, his high school modern day, uh, and what he was supposed to be at USC, uh, for everybody talks about this guy as being not only – he was good a passer as you'd want, but a smart guy. He uh, There's a story I read, I, I think Matt Hayes wrote it, about his father saying he asked about a blitz and if a certain thing happened on the defense that made it man coverage, he said he was six years old when he asked it. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, But JT Daniels, I, I was struck by this. Uh, and I want to make a comment about Greg Sankey uh, before we go off the air. And that is that, um, is that you realize this, in his first game as a starter at Modern Day, he threw uh, he threw six touchdowns, 290 yards in his first game. And he threw 33 touchdown passes as a freshman and 67 as a sophomore. This guy can spin the rock. Yeah. Yeah, and he's going to get a chance to show it this year. Yeah. Um, you know, it's – you almost wonder if part of the reason that led into Newman's decision was because JT Daniels may go. have been winning yeah, that's my the point. quarterback competition. Yeah, that's my point. 
tells me he maybe didn't want to recompete that bad, right? So uh, anyway. I don't know. I don't want to put uh, that on. No, but I mean, it's I just it's I'm not putting it on anybody. It's just like everybody was saying. I mean, look, look, uh, the guy who had every reason in the world to leave Florida was Felipe Franks. They kept running guys in on him, and he kept fighting them off. And at yeah. the end, he was still standing until yeah. he really yeah. wasn't right. So I mean, there's, I'm not, right. it's, it's just a fact, and coaches will tell you this: some people want to compete, and we're not going to cut and run. Others don't want to, and I'm not saying he is. It's just always a question about you until you prove otherwise, right? It's a question. Right. You know, and so that's okay. how I raise it. You know, uh, I guess we'll see if gets into an NFL camp, how that goes. I guess we will. Well, good luck. That's an NFL. That's a league you cover. I don't cover that league. So I'll let you uh, I'll let you handle <laughs> that one. So uh, anyway, uh, I wanted to say – what was I going to say? Oh, Greg Sankey. I caught part of the show today. I want to get your thoughts on this. I just flipped over and happened to see – I believe it was on Dooley's show on WRF, but I'm not sure. Uh, and Sankey was on. And he was asked about his decision because this guy's going to be hailed as a genius if this comes off. And the Big Ten, by the way, is not going to play unless they pull something out of their hat by October. I don't see it happening. But Sankey made a comment I thought was really interesting. What prompted him to wait so late? Because a lot of people think, Cassidy, I want to get your thoughts on this, that by pulling the plug as they did, when they did, it precipitated the Pac-12 pulling out and it almost caused the college football world to collapse because of what the Big Ten did. Now, here we are. It's 24 days till game day, whatever. They're still playing football down in the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12, not so much in the Big Ten. Sankey said, when asked about his decision-making, uh, by the way, uh, and, and by, we'll begin to have more answers on the state and capacity and stuff like that later. But he said he talked to a biostatistician from South Carolina, a woman, and I texted the SEC office today to find out if they could find out what who that was. He said she taught him, talked to him, and says, take as much time as you can before making a decision and you'll make a better decision. Well, this week, they're supposed to open the season, right? And they're not. Right. Good decision, I'd say. Yeah, um, for sure. The more, uh, the, the more, or the closer we get to the almost season, the smarter Greg Sankey looks for pushing it back. Um, you know, there were supposed to be some games this weekend that have been postponed to October or November because of COVID cases. Um you know, I think the only one that's been pulled off so far was the one the other night between Austin P. Um, and Eastern Care. It's Central Arkansas. Um, but like I, they gave themselves the gift of time. Are they going to play? That remains to be seen. But they at least aren't having to make a decision right now. They came out. They waited until the last possible second and usually that sounds like a bad thing but I don't think it is in this case um they waited until the last possible second to set a date and then when they set the date they set it far enough back to give themselves time because you know I thought Mullen made an interesting comment on Monday he said um the or Saturday whenever it was he spoke to him he said you know today looks a lot different than it did four months or four weeks ago 
Mm-hmm. I'm sure four weeks from now will look a lot different than it does today. So we've at least built ourselves in a buffer to get to the season. And so, um, yeah, Greg, thank you. You look like the smartest one in all yes, of them Yes, he does. Right now. Smartest guy in the room and smartest guy in football right now. Cassidy, you've had a long day, I know. Thank you very much for all your help and information. I have a Z and other notes. But if I went over, we'd be here at 1 o'clock, so I think I'm going to let you go. So, good okay. stuff. Cassidy, take care. of. Oh, by the way, do you know what you're writing for the magazine? You can tell people. Uh, yeah, so we're going to do you know just kind of all the newsworthy stuff that they talked about today and then also um a column just on the guys what they did this past weekend uh going down to the plaza and then also um looking at Kyle Trask you know did his how much has his game actually changed this season you know how different will he actually look good now they went down to Bo Diddley's right right yes sir so tell people what that is that don't know Oh, it's a plaza in downtown, mm-hmm. um, and the a lot of athletes in the football team marched from the school to the plaza, and then Scotty Lewis kind of led um, a little assembly there and just knocked it out of the park. Very good, ma'am. Good job, Cass, as always. I'll talk to you over the weekend or sometime, all right? Have a good one. Sounds good. Have a good night. Cassidy Hill. Did we ever get her picture up there? I don't think we ever did. <laughs> Totally forgot. I apologize, Cass. Uh, had it all written out and everything. Uh, so here's the deal. I want to tell you. I'm announcing this. I'm going to put this on the screen first. Who's this guy? Anybody know? Not the one on the left, the one on the right. Uh, happy birthday, Terry Bradshaw. Truly one of the great people, as I wrote posted, my favorite quarterback, also my favorite Athlete, also my favorite TV personnel, also one of my favorite guys of all time. Love being around TV. He's just the best. And I'm proud to announce tonight that starting a week from Friday, Terry will join us with whatever we're going to call it. Maybe we're going to call it the Terry Bradshaw Podcast. Maybe we'll call it Terry Bradshaw Show. We will have the best Friday on football. And if you haven't seen this show, you're going to love it if you're a football fan. And this best Friday on football will be sometime around noon. We don't know always exactly, which will stream here. It'll be on a podcast and you can pick it up on iTunes. iTunes is where you can go back now and get all of our shows and our podcast, Buddy Martin show or best Fridays in football or the bourbon Meyer podcast. Uh, and the best Fridays in football will feature urban on the first part, talking college football and Terry Bradshaw talking who knows what, but certainly some NFL. And he might want to talk about catfish. Who knows? Terry likes, if you've heard him, you know. TV, you never know what you're going to get on TV. Then some special guests as well. So it's going to be a really good time, a really good show. The podcast is going to go national. A company in the Midwest is picking it up. We're very proud of all that. And, and a lot of it goes through Brendan Martin. The hard work he's been doing on these podcasts. I want to thank you publicly, Brendan, for all the good stuff you've been doing. And our partner, by the way. Uh, yeah, we want to talk to you about Andy. We'll tell you about him next time. Um, so lots of great stuff happening right now. Most of all, you folks made it happen by supporting the show. And by the way, a number of you also belong to Gatorbait Magazine or Gatorbait Media. 
There's a special group of people called the Gator Bait Lighthouse members. There's 29 of them. One, two, three, one, two, three, one, 29 of them. Uh, the newest one is Jeffrey Meldon. It's a who's who of people in this area, and they are supporting this in every way. Sissy Long, by the way, is one of those. So we do have some women on this. And by the way, I just want to say, sending my love out and sympathy to Sissy once again, who lost her beloved Chuck last week. So we're family here, and we, we have had loyal support for people. We love you all, and uh, we even like Nat and uh, Lynn. Well, maybe not. Well, anyway, a little bit. So thank you, folks, for a good night. Uh, good to be with you tonight. Thank you to our special guests once we got past the technical difficulties. When Skype decided they wanted to knock us off with an update, we got running. Thanks to France Beard popping in there for us. Fans will be on tomorrow night with me. Uh, and then, of course, thanks to Matt Moscona from ESPN in Baton Rouge and New Orleans. Lee McGriff, always one of my favorites to have on, talking ball with the voice of the, of the color analyst for Gator Radio Network. And, of course, Cassidy Hill, who's always on Wednesday night and giving us information. It's been a good day and a good night. I hope you had one. And uh, I'll just say thank you, everybody. Have a good one. Be careful and stay safe out there. And we will talk at you tomorrow night. We'll be back for more of this stuff. Hopefully you'll come back for it too because without you, we don't have anything. So we'd love for you to come back. Join the program. Big numbers on the show this week because of you. And the good work done by our people. All right. Have a good one, folks. Good night. Thank you.